Hello, and welcome back to Hearsay, a joint project between Pro Bono Students Canada, University of Calgary Chapter, and CJSW 90.9 FM, where University of Calgary law students discuss a variety of legal topics with a variety of professionals in the field. We'd like to emphasize that the information you hear today is legal information and not legal advice, as we are law students and not lawyers. This podcast is purely for informational purposes. If you do require legal advice, please consult a lawyer. In the spirit of reconciliation, we would first like to acknowledge that hearsay is recorded on Treaty 7 territory. We acknowledge that Treaty 7 territory is the traditional and ancestral territory of the Blackfoot Confederacy, consisting of the Kanai, Pikani, and Siksika, as well as the Tsuchina Nation and Stony Nakoda First Nation. We acknowledge that this territory is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3, within the historical Northwest Métis homeland. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis and Inuit, who have lived in and cared for these lands for generations. We are grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are still with us today and those who have gone before us. We make this acknowledgement as an act of gratitude to those whose territory we reside on or are visiting. My name is Amanda, and I'll be one of your hosts for this episode. I'm here with my co-host, Emily. Today, we're joined with two speakers, Justice David Gates and Jennifer Rutan, to explore jury duty in Alberta and Canada. Justice Gates is a deputy judge in Yukon and Northwest Territories. He was also appointed to the Alberta Court of Queen's Bench in 2011 and retired earlier this year. He has presided over numerous jury trials in Alberta, Northwest Territories, and Yukon as a judge. Welcome, Justice Gates. Thank you. And now Jennifer is a partner at Rutan Bates, Barristers and Solicitors. Her practice is dedicated primarily to criminal defense work. She has extensive experiences in all levels of court, including the Supreme Court of Canada, administrative tribunals, judicial dispute resolution, and mediation. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Justice Gates and Jennifer, for joining us, and we are so thrilled to have you both with us today. So in our last month's episode, we discussed the administrative aspects of jury duty in Canada. Uh, This month, we will delve deeper into the foundation and current issues surrounding jury duty. So before we dive into the discussion, for any listeners who missed last month's episode, uh, Judge, very briefly, could you just give us an overview of what jury duty is. Sure. Um, let To put it in context, let's talk a little bit about um, the rights and responsibilities of citizenship. As citizens of this country, we have certain rights. I think those rights are fairly well known. They're most uh, notably set out in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. But there are also responsibilities that go with citizenship. One of them is the responsibility to vote. Some would call it a right. Some would also call it a responsibility. But the responsibility that we're here to talk about today is the responsibility that we all have as, as citizens to participate in the criminal justice process from time to time and serve on a jury. And so... From time to time, individuals charged with serious criminal offenses, generally offenses that come with a punishment, a maximum punishment of five years or more, they have the right to to a trial before a jury of their peers, uh, 12 citizens 
um, of, from their community who will determine their guilt or innocence. And so from time to time, we call upon the citizens of this community and every other community in Canada, for the most part, to serve on juries in criminal cases. Uh, it's also possible in some instances to have a, uh, a jury in a civil trial, but that is very, very uncommon in Alberta, much more common in Ontario, for example, but it's very rare for there to be a civil jury in Alberta. I see. Perfect. Thank you very much for that succinct overview. So this question is open to the both of you. Um, as a defense counsel and judge, we are curious as to how you are both separately and together involved with juries. So Jennifer, we'll start with you. In a jury trial, what's your involvement with the jury as a defense counsel? Nothing outside of the courtroom, and that's key. Uh, the jury is independent and is there to be the neutral arbiter. So my role is solely in the work that I do in the courtroom. That means that I have a responsibility to ensure that I am fair and accurate and professional in the work that I do in the courtroom to make sure that the jury can do their job in the best way possible. So I'm there to challenge the evidence that the Crown is leading so that the jury can determine whether or not that's reliable, trustworthy evidence to uh, rely on to make findings of fact. My role is also to present other evidence that may not exist in the Crown's case so that the jury has a fulsome picture of all of the context in which they're going to have to be making their deliberations to determine the outcome of the case. My role is not to tell the jury what the law is. That falls on the judge. So my influence on how the jury uh, is analyzing the legal issues is more through my comments to the judge when there's discussions about how the jury is going to be charged. In my closing submissions, I'm there to try to emphasize to the jury what facts are relevant, what evidence is relevant to the legal issues, and how they would go about their deliberations in a way that would lead them to the outcome that I'm suggesting they should arrive at. Uh, but my job is not to... Uh, mislead the jury. It's to present the argument um, in favor of the outcome that I'm suggesting the evidence supports. Perfect. And then judge, what's your involvement with the jury as a judge? Um, great question. Um, judges and juries work together. We've got separate functions, but we work together. Um, I often say to juries at the very beginning of a trial that there are now 13 judges in the room, me and the 12 jurors. In terms of the separate responsibilities, the jurors are the masters of the facts. They determine what happened, and that's often the critical issue to be determined in a criminal trial. But they require a legal context, and so they require direction and a legal framework within which uh, they can make their determinations on the facts of the case. The judge presiding at a trial, their role, his or her role, is to provide the jury with the context, the legal framework within which they are required to operate in making their findings of fact. Jennifer's quite right. Uh, we treat uh, ju juries uh, with some care. 
We, we protect them in the sense that they're kept separate from the rest of the court. They sit in the court, but they have a separate room that they retire to during adjournments and obviously during their deliberations. There's very little interaction, almost none, between me and the jury during the course of the trial other than in the courtroom. We may speak pleasantries as we pass each other in the hallway. The only other time that I have ever had any contact with the jury is that after the trial is over, I will, generally speaking, go into the jury room and have a conversation with them to make sure they're okay. Jury duty can be a very stressful uh, experience for most people and to explain to them the services that are available to them in terms of free counseling that's that's provided by uh, the province of Alberta. Awesome. So now that we've heard about what jury duty is and how our speakers are involved with the jury, let's dive into the foundations of jury duty in Canada. So first of all, open to both. Why does jury and jury duty exist in the Canadian judicial system? I can start off by proposing one of the reasons that jury duty Uh, exists and juries are important to the criminal uh, justice system is they offer a conscience of the community and require a unanimous verdict for very serious uh, allegations and criminal liability. So juries actually create a foundation of respect for the administration of justice for accused persons who are facing significant jeopardy to their liberty and allows the citizens as a whole to have faith in the overall administration of of justice because at the end of the day, you have the right in serious offenses to be tried with a jury And if you elect that, then you know that you have 12 members of the community that have to agree unanimously on the outcome of the case in order for those severe consequences to be imparted. Um, I like like very much what Jennifer's just said. I agree with everything she said. I mean, historically, and I promise not to bore you with a long history, but juries are very old. I mean, they date back to the 11th century in uh, England, um, and we have had juries in one form or another in the common law world ever since. Somewhat to my surprise, when I was getting ready to come here today, I've discovered that the country that has the most jury trials is the United States um, because they have uh, so many civil jury trials in that country. Originally, jury trials um, didn't look like they do now. Originally, um, dating back historically, um, individuals who had knowledge of what was going on in the community would be brought together and they would serve the dual function of providing evidence as to what had transpired in a particular situation. And they would also be called upon to adjudicate uh, on the on the crime that the individual was uh, accused of committing. That's obviously changed uh, over time. But we've had jury trials uh, in this country uh, dating back to Confederation. Um, and indeed, pre-Confederation, the original colonies that formed 
Canada in 1867, there were jury trials in uh, uh, those colonies, uh, much like they exist today, um, having been brought uh, over as part of the adoption of the English common law um, uh, as part of the evolution of our uh, country and our uh, legal system. I guess the only other thing I would say is why do we have juries? Is We have juries because we believe that citizens have an important stake in um, our democratic processes. And this is one of the most fundamental of our democratic processes, the right to a fair trial. And part of the right to a fair trial includes the right to have a trial by a jury of one's peers. That's where juries come in. I actually have a follow-up question for Jennifer. You mentioned how you were listing out the kind of principles of why jury exists for criminal trials. Does that look different for civil trials or is it generally the same? My experience in jury trials is exclusively to the criminal justice system. So I have a bias toward the importance of juries in the criminal justice system. And I would be reluctant to support a view of eradicating juries in the criminal justice system. I may be less concerned in a civil trial because of what's at stake. And personally, one of the reasons why I practice in criminal defense work is because of my passion toward uh, liberty interests and fair trials. And so I think that the stakes are different in in a civil trial. Um, but where we see juries in civil trials still existing, especially in Alberta, where there aren't very many, but quite frankly, there aren't very many civil trials at all, um, but is in areas where you have issues such as uh, um, defamation, and a jury can be a vital aspect of a fair adjudication of that civil dispute. So even though I uh, feel very strongly about the role of juries in the criminal justice system, I could see how advocating for their importance in certain civil contexts exists as well. Yeah, sorry to spring that question up on you. I know you specialize in criminal cases, but... It, it's okay. I, I read. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and thank you just for answering my question. I just had to get it out there. <laughs> Especially for you know, because this is for the public. I understand that when we say we, I can see, you know, People asking, well, but like, who's we? You know, the people who are talking are law students, judges, you know, lawyers, crowns. Like, do we have an opinion? Is our opinion part of the we? So thanks for answering again. Well, and I think, Amanda, to that point, one thing for listeners to always keep in mind is the criminal justice system is created for the people and for society. So what we do in our daily lives is ultimately for a responsible and respectful uh, society as a whole. So when the courts are struggling with difficult issues, they're looking at it in a pragmatic and practical way of how that's going to impact individuals beyond the individuals even that are before them quite often. 
You're listening to the Hearsay Podcast on CJSW 90.9 FM. Okay, so in a criminal case involving the jury, uh, jurors decide whether the Crown prosecutor has proven that the accused is guilty um, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. So given this, it seems like Canadians play a direct role in deciding the outcome of a case. You know, unanimous decision, they all just, if they all agree um, what they say, it, it seems like that's the outcome. So do you think members of the general public as jurors should have this much power? And this is open to both. In, in a word, yes. Um, this is part of our, uh, the foundation of our uh, democratic process. It's existed for centuries. And um, I have uh, every confidence that um, citizens of our country, whether they be legally trained or not, um, mainly not, um, have uh, all of the tools uh, in their toolkit um, to be able to um, respond to the requirements of serving uh, on, a, on a jury. Um, so yes, I think uh, the answer to your question is yes, uh, that jury... Uh, the, the preservation of juries, as Jennifer has already um, mentioned, is, a, is an important part of our uh, justice system and an important part of our democracy. And to add to that, I think it's easier to understand why our responses are yes. When you understand what the role is of the jury and how that role intersects with the role of the judge. So a jury isn't having to determine legal issues other than the application of the facts to the law as to what the outcome is. If there are issues about admissibility of evidence, if there's issues about the uh constitutionality of conduct or constitutionality of laws, those are all determined by the judge, not by the jury. So the ultimate task is for jurors to come using their common sense, free of bias, prejudice, and sympathies, to listen to the evidence and come to a conclusion based on the law as explained by the judge and the evidence um, and facts as they find. Yeah, so a follow-up question about um, the the power that the general public, uh, through being uh, jurors, have. So in in a criminal trial, uh, the, the juror's decision has to be unanimous, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. to me, I I understand this as one of the ways to limit individual jurors' powers because it has to be unanimous. You have to agree um, or, like, you can't just, like, push through your opinion and your opinion only. Like, that's how I understand it. So maybe, like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is what, what do you think about the jurors' decisions having to be unanimous instead of um, majority rules, for instance? Well, the consequences are very significant for a person accused of a serious crime. 
um, someone accused of murder, for example, runs runs the risk of if they're convicted of being sent. Well, they don't run the risk. There's an automatic sentence of life imprisonment. So the consequences, the stakes are very high. This is a very important, critical decision about somebody's life and their freedom and their liberty. And so um, it's appropriate, it seems to me, that the threshold for that decision should be a very high one. The bar should be very high, um, not impossibly high, but high, uh, given given the stakes uh, that are involved. Uh, my experience with juries over the years, and we know from, from our studies as uh, law students and as lawyers, that there are lots of convictions in, in jury cases. It's not, it would seem to me, such a high bar that it can never be reached. It's reached all the time. But that doesn't, that doesn't any, in any way take away from the fact that given the consequences and the significance of the decision to the person who's been accused of a crime, that the bar should be a very high one. To add to that, I would say that deliberation amongst jury members is key. The deliberation refers to the time in which the jurors spend together after all the evidence is heard, after the closing arguments by the lawyers is made, after the instruction is given by the judge. And they are there sitting with the evidence and the law and trying to decide what the outcome of the case is. By requiring unanimous agreement, it fosters um, more in-depth deliberation and communication amongst the jurors. It also, I would suppose, give some comfort to individuals who are making these really significant decisions that that decision doesn't, the weight of that decision doesn't fall solely on their shoulders. So I think it's responsible to the accused person that's involved. It's also responsible to the jurors And it shows the importance to victims and others affected by the impact of crime. So I think it's actually a cornerstone key principle to juries to make it unanimous in in criminal cases. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I guess reflecting on your answers, uh, both of you mentioned... um, the, the the weight that the jurors have on their shoulders once uh, once they're called, given the the severe consequences. So then, considering the responsibilities that the justice system puts on the jurors, uh, how do you think that trans- translates over to what the justice system expects of an everyday person, members of the community, to be or to represent within our society? I think that the judges do a very good job of explaining to the jury in their opening remarks. So before any evidence is is heard, that their role is to sit and listen to the evidence with a clear mind, without predetermination, not to listen or seek out any other information outside of the courtroom, and to, at the end of the day, make findings of fact based on the evidence that they've heard in order to determine the outcome of the case. And that's all that's being required of jurors. 
they're not being required to come in with any previous knowledge or understanding of legal principles, that they come in with any previous understanding or knowledge of the parties involved. And it's quite to the opposite, that they're supposed to come in free of any of those. Um, And that that's the value that they bring, is that they are unburdened by precedent, that they represent that unbiased, um, neutral uh, party to be collective party to to determine the outcome of this case. And if jurors understand that that's their role, then I think the weight of their obligation is, is less and that they then feel adequate to perform that function. I agree with, uh, with what Jennifer has said. Um, I think that there are some... Uh, practical limitations on what jurors are required to do that assist them in their task. But I do also feel that we we are asking a great deal of ordinary citizens, not only, not only in terms of the time requirements that are often associated with jury trials, a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, four months in some instances. Um, that's a heavy burden to, to place on someone. Um, but more more important, I think the burden of uh, the responsibility is a very onerous one. I, mean, I did a jury trial in Whitehorse this past uh, summer. Um, uh, I won't go into the details. Uh, but the jury, when they came in to deliver their verdict, the four person of the juror of the jury was crying as they read the verdict. And uh, when I went in to speak to them after the verdict had been delivered, um, I would say of the 12 people on the jury, um, uh, 10 of them were visibly shaken, weeping, um, uh, crying, clearly upset by the magnitude of what they'd been asked to do. It was a difficult case. It could have gone either way. I was very sympathetic. Uh, I understood why they why they decided what they decided. It could have gone the other way, um, but the burden of that task was uh, clearly visible um, in their in their their words, their questions, their facial expressions, their body language. Um, and I know from my experience with juries is that. Um, it takes its toll on people. It's a very big responsibility that we place on the shoulders of uh, 12 generally unsuspecting people who are responding to a jury summons, probably with very little practical knowledge or understanding of what the, what might lie ahead for them. So it's a big uh, it's a big request that that society makes of. Um, uh, jurors, uh, but it's an imp- but it's a very important function they perform, and um, there are sadly some very difficult issues that have to be resolved in our in our community. And to wrap up this section, um, according to the Government of Canada website, and Judge, you mentioned it in the beginning, that a Canadian citizen has the legal responsibility um, to serve on a jury when summoned. So. Do you think jury duty is an inherent obligation of Canadian citizenship? And 
why or why not? I think that it is. Um, you can't only derive benefits without having the corresponding responsibility. And that exists with voting, it exists with other democratic rights and freedoms. So when we call upon individuals to serve on juries, it is part of their civil obligation. And it also serves as a key function for the respect of the justice system as a whole, because I think through the experiences of individual citizens, going back to the community, having had that experience, and being a member then in the community with the benefit of that experience can lend further credence to the overall system. So I think that it is an important aspect of citizenry. You're listening to the Hearsay Podcast. We're proud to present you with legal information, but please remember that this is legal information, not legal advice. If you require legal advice, please consult a lawyer. The Hearsay Podcast is a joint project between CJSW 90.9 FM and Pro Bono Students Canada, University of Calgary chapter. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this, the Hearsay Podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.